This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated Enterprise show. I'm Norman Lau, and I have to tell you that this is going to be a fantastic, fantastic show for all of you tonight because with me, as he is always, is Will Wynn, our content manager for Trek FM. Will, how are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, I'm especially in a good mood because we match uh, attire, Norm, me, and you are both wearing the same uh, Neptune back in, uh, what was it, Six Seconds t-shirt and our NXO2 matching hats, so I feel like we're on the same biorhythm right now. We're really linked, so that's good. <laughs> I might have to change my, my tag in Twitter to Niner Boomer, so it's Niner Boomer and Boomer Niner, like Tomax and Zaymot from G.I. Joe. <laughs> is that too deep for people right now? Is that too uh, early? That's that's a little too deep for me. <laughs> All right, I'm 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 full of energy tonight. I'm so psyched because also we have in the conference room with us we have our two associate producers for the very first time together with me, and I'm so excited to talk to both of you about this this topic tonight. And we have Mike Morrison from Metatrex, and we have Floyd Dorsey, associate producer for Warp Five. Guys, Mike, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be out of the decon chamber. I'm feeling a little oiled up with that uh, gel e. Oh, this is this family show. This is a family show. <laughs> we were in there for like nine months. I know. He he did. He's on felt good like, behavior. Felt now. like forever. <laughs> and Floyd, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Well, uh, thank you so much for having me back. Um, yeah, I had to check out the sweet spot this time. Last time I was on, they said the sweet spot was off limits for repairs or something, but I had to go check that out. That's pretty cool. Ooh, that's yeah. a good one, Floyd. Sweet spot's a good spot to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we only actually have one other person that usually is part of the show that rounds out the entire Warp 5 command staff. But he is on assignment right now, actually visiting with some of his friends who are veterans of our armed services. And that's Jeffrey Harlan, who served in the Air Force. And he is out with them because today is Veterans Day in the United States. And we wanted to thank him for his service and all the people that have served the United States in the armed forces for all of their sacrifice and all of their service to this country. And we thank you very much. And that's it. That's the Warp 5 crew. And, and I'm so excited to be here with everybody. But before we get into the topic tonight, I'm going to turn it over to Will for a second because he's going to tell all of you 
how to find all the various programs on Trek FM on subspace and across the interwebs. So take it away, Will. So you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 file from our website at Trek FM and grab the RSS link as well. And if you're an Apple user, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. That makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes. And if you like what you're on Warp 5 or any other network shows, please leave us a rating and a review, which helps us increase our visibility for new listeners and helps us grow the network. So we really appreciate any feedback you can give us. Thanks so much for that, Will. And yes, there's a variety of different ways that you can find Trek FM. One of those is right for you, and we appreciate you for supporting the network by subscribing to one of those special ways of doing so. And now to the heart of the matter, which is going to be awesome because we've had great success doing this when a couple of different shows. On To The Journey, episode 139, Tristan and Shar did what is called the Supercast, the cast that they wanted to see recast for not only just Star Trek in general, but for Voyager for that cast. And then Mike and Zach they adopted that philosophy and applied it to Metatrex episode three. And what was the name of, uh, what was your philosophy behind that, Mike, when you did your show? Well, listening to, to the journey, they did a, a philo- or rather a super crew for, uh, for Voyager. They also did, you know, kind of a JJ Trek style reboot as the second half of that show. So Zachary and I thought it would be kind of fun to take that idea and put a Metatrex spin on it. So we went back in history and took famous philosophers from history, and we came up with our own philosophy super crew. We used uh, we used the uh, seventeen oh one as our as our ship, so we were casting you know Kirk, Spock, McCoy uh, type uh, positions, but not really specifically. But you know the the bridge crew and and the doctor and so on and so forth. So we took philosophers and put those, put them in those roles, those positions on a super crew. Thought that would be kind of our own spin on it. It was a lot of fun. And then you got in touch with me because as, uh, as one of our associate producers, as is Floyd, we love hearing the feedback from both of you and we wanted to see what we could do for an upcoming show. And you said, Hey, you know, we've had a lot of fun doing this. We really enjoyed what Tristan and Shar did on to the journey. So why not try it and adopt that specific format for this particular episode of Warp 5? So here we are. Yeah, I threw down on air. So, you know, here we are. Here we are. And maybe towards the end of this show, the four of us can maybe agree on throwing the challenge down to another show from Trek FM, another one of the crews out there. Perhaps the Standard Orbit guys, perhaps Earl Grey. We'll see uh, as we go along and maybe we can organically come up with uh, an idea here. But for this show, we decided to, yes, create our own super crew, our super cast. And much like Voltron, and Al formed the head. That's, well, <laughs> our head is missing. Our head is out there celebrating, you know, the, with the rest of the veterans. Jeffrey is our head. He is that our is Mr. Ataz. So we, we're, there, we're four lions kind of like hanging out right now, trying to figure out where the fifth lion <laughs> is. <laughs> So in part of the other shows, the, um, the format is, and, and Tristan said this uh, in, in one of his notes, the, it's an Abrams-style movie reboot with younger, new cast, but not impressions or impressionists of the characters that we know. So it's not an impression of Archer. It's not kind of like a carbon copy of T'Pol or some type of uh, parallel recreation of any of the characters. We wanted what they did in 2009 and take a look at really fresh 
very new, young, enthusiastic, and obviously fitting actors for these roles. And that's what I've challenged this team with over the last couple of days to see if we can actually come up with some really good, viable options. So we were keeping the the racial and age profiles the same, the genders the same. You know, Hoshi would still be Asian. Uh, she would still be a woman. Travis would still be um, African-American male. Porthos would still be canine, not necessarily Beagle, the canine. And if we can get to Porthos, that would be great. But because we have so many things to talk about, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of like set a rotational order here for everybody as I'm going through the list. Uh, we'll start with Floyd first because I think Floyd is really excited to like jump into his list. Uh, he's been uh, offline with me a couple of times. He's like, I can't wait to do this. I can't wait to do this. So, so I'm going to let him um, kind of like um, uh, open the decork this episode and then we'll go with Mike and then we'll go with Will and then I will do the uh, anchorman position here. And... A great point, uh, Floyd, that you sent me today is uh, before we started naming our cast, our picks, let's discuss how each one of us went about picking our cast. So I'm going to ask this question to all of you, and then in the same rotation that I just talked about, uh, we'll start answering them. And the reason why I'm doing this is kind of like Comic-Con panel moderation. If you don't kind of keep a specific order for all of you listeners out there, it just kind of like gets jumbled around. And then for all of you keeping score out there, this is probably a really good way for you to kind of check off your list. So Floyd, starting with you, um, what medium were you thinking of for your reboot cast, a TV or movie? Well, for mine, it is definitely going to be summer epic movie event. Like we're talking blockbuster movie event here. People are going to, you know, get your popcorn ready, you know, get in line two, three, four times a summer. This is going to blow the box office out of the park. In a world where Star Trek has been rebooted. So that kind of... Exactly, exactly, exactly. (laughs) What about you, Mike? Definitely thinking movie, although I have to say in my cast, I've got both movie and TV actors and actresses. So, you know, that's kind of off the table, but I'm definitely thinking blockbuster movie, although I think Christmas, you know, Christmas movie, Floyd. What do you think? Oh, wow. A holiday <laughs> movie. I hadn't thought about that. I was thinking, okay, okay. I, was I don't, I don't want to wait July, till summer, right? daggone it. <laughs> Proactive, well, Mike. I love it. Go ahead, well, Will. Christmas yeah. has been a, a time for a lot of Star Trek movies, so that's not completely out of the norm. It's following a, a little bit of a tradition right there. Um, for me, TV. And I think when you go through my list, it's not quite... JJ in the sense of of youth per se, but it's pulling from a lot of what we now consider to be really good prestige TV or really good popular TV. So TV for me. Yeah, my actors are definitely inspired from TV, but I always like it when an actor that you really love in a, in a, in a TV series makes that transition from the small screen to the big screen. So, and, and, and uh, Floyd, going back to your next question, is this is this generally how you decided on the actor, this big blockbustery kind of strategy that you were looking for? Yeah, that was my that was the first thing I thought of. I, you know, I had to decide movie or TV, and then what kind of a movie are we talking about here? Are we gonna go full blown A list, try to win an Oscar? We're gonna win an Oscar in special effects, we're gonna win an Oscar in sound effect, uh, soundtrack. Um, that's that's that seemed like that would be the easiest thing for me. That was kind of the rules I was playing with here. If anyone in Hollywood's listening, Floyd is available. 
That is way more in depth than my list, Floyd. So that's really good. so you already set the bar. It's like when you go first in a presentation, you're just like, oh man, if I just like knock I, it out of the park, everyone else is gonna be. I always go first. In <laughs> fact, today I had my uh, my students. They had to put their they have to sign down on like one through fifteen on who's gonna you know go first, second, third, fourth, and I tell them this tells you something. This tells me something about you. Where are you gonna put your name on this? Everything's an interview. Where are you going to put yourself? I want to go first. Mm-hmm. Is why you're a teacher. So for all of you, um, which role or actor was first easiest to cast and second most difficult to cast? For me, the easiest was Mayweather. The person I picked for Mayweather, I had him pegged for an Enterprise reboot years ago. The first time I ever saw him on screen, I had him pegged. When you say years ago, like all the way back to 2005 when they first launched Enterprise? No, 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 no. Okay. Like years ago when this guy first hit the, hit the scene. Okay. So um, as soon as I saw him, I was thinking Enterprise Reboot. Okay. Uh, the most difficult, by far, the most difficult was Archer. Mm. That was by far the most difficult. Okay. Because when you see the lineup that I have here, you have to have somebody that would be believable that actually would lead this group. Mm-hmm. That was by far the most difficult for me. Right, right. How about you, Mike? Well, I got to say, I... I'm very particular about what I spend my entertainment dollars on. I don't go to the movies a lot. I'm raising a 13-year-old, so unfortunately, when I'm thinking JJ-style reboot, I'm not thinking of Young Hollywood because I'm not that familiar with Young Hollywood. I mean, Zachary Efron, I, that, that's, about as, that's about as Young Hollywood as I get. He played, he's played. he on my list for every role. Damn it, Mike. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> You know, I'm raising a 13-year-old, guys. But uh, for me, you know, it was Trip. It was was the easiest one to cast. I remember the first time I saw Trip on Enterprise, and my mind immediately went to the actor that I chose. Uh, thought that he would have played that role uh, perfectly. Uh, not that, you know, not not that. And le- and let me preface this by saying I think, frankly. The actors that played in Enterprise could very easily come back and step right back into those roles. Oh, They've yeah. aged very well. Yep. It's only been about ten years since you know since Enterprise went off the air. So you know, other other than maybe some you know some hair dye for Archer, these guys could literally step back in and play these parts, and I think it would be a tremendous uh, hit, small screen or big screen. Yeah. But uh, for for me, the easiest one to cast was Trip. The hardest one was Hoshi. Mm-hmm. Because I got to be honest, there's just not a lot of uh, Asian actresses out there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the ones that are out there are are spectacular. But I've got a I've got a very um, I've got a very green uh, budding actress that I selected for the uh, for the role. But not a lot of Asian actresses out there. Cool, cool. And what about you, Will? I think easiest for me was also Trip. I think because I think that type he plays an archetypical role. I think a role that is seen in a lot of media, and I think I could I could sympathize with Mike with saying that there's not a lot of uh, actors or actresses of color that kind of pop into mind. So it can be if you're not familiar where to look and familiar with those types of characters or actors or actresses, it can be tough. But for me, actually, the hardest was uh, was Malcolm Reed actually because mm-hmm. I think there's in a lot of ways, he's a cipher, right? And there's also his Britishness, but there's a lot of British actors, right? So it's it it was difficult trying to find 
that mixture of of what you'd see as kind of an archetypical role, but it could also be anything, right? Malcolm Reed could have been anything, and he kind of really was this role that, you know, Dominic kind of just went with. So those are my easiest and toughest ones. Yeah, for me, the easiest probably was Archer because there's an actor that I had in mind immediately when I started thinking about this this show that I said, you know what, if I had to recast it again with this particular actor, I would love to see it. So that that one is always kind of, you have to find those actors that have just really comfortable with a leadership position, whether it is a captain or whether it is a teacher. Uh, it's just one of those kind of roles that very much like Denzel Washington in Remember the Titans, you know, you, you have that character that brings out the best in other characters as an actor. And I think that's something that, that I wanted to go forward with, with my choices. The toughest one for me by far, by far was Reed. Because you're right, Will, I, I agree. The toughest thing about Reed is that Reed himself as a character, from at least what we've known, doesn't really affect the story unless the story affects him. So he's not, he's very reactive instead of proactive. And that, that lends itself to uh, a tough a tough situation when you're trying to associate him with an actor out there that you're trying to uh, say, hey, you know what, this is, this is Reed's personality. Well, it's kind of tough for Reed because, you know, much like the, I like to call it the pineapple syndrome, you know, it was, in a, there's an entire episode dedicated to just finding out that one aspect of his personality and they had to use everyone in the cast to do it plus science. So, <laughs> so that was a little tough. Okay, so that was our methodology and the intent behind how we chose or how we approached the cast in the list. So, drum roll, please. Let's start with Floyd. Captain Jonathan Archer, the recast. Go. All right, so we're going to talk we're going to start with the top. All right, okay. So, or should it's we a, stop with? Uh, should we start with the bottom? Associate producers' prerogative. What would you guys like to do? Actually, I I started with Hoshi and Mayweather, and I worked my way backwards. You guys comfortable with my that? methodology? We can do it that way. Is that that's fine? Is that cool? that's fine? We'll we'll start with those guys. Whatever you set, Floyd. Whatever your character you set, we'll rotate around it. Okay. Okay. I'll start. Let's let me. I'll start with Hoshi. Okay. Okay. So Hoshi, I actually I had an actress picked out pretty quick. Like I made my list pretty fast, but again, I started with Hoshi. Mayweather was easy. That was a given. It was automatically down. Hoshi, I have Jamie Chung. She's a 32 year old actress. She was Amber in Sucker Punch. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was in the Hangover 2 Sin City sequel. And for those of you that have seen it, I haven't seen it. Apparently she was in Sorority Row. So, um, man, I would, I think she would just be a sweet Hoshi right there. Now, what in this particular choice with Jamie Chung, uh, do you see uh, any kind of similarity with Linda Park? Because, oh, well, well, for this, I'm, I mean, for some of my characters, you're going to see like Reed, that was actually not that hard. Uh, we're, t- I'm, I was thinking reboot here mm-hmm. and we would be maybe rewriting the script on, on the set, okay. you know, to fit around these actors. So for Jamie, I could see her being sweet, innocent, but still able to handle herself in a fight. Right. I mean, she's shown that in other roles that she's been in. And then she just has a perfect smile. Like when it's when it's time for like for the good feeling, she just has a just a a smile lights up the screen. So just kind of like clarifying a point in the recast. Also, we're looking more at if we looked at the casting sheet and said, um, 
Hoshi Sato, age X, uh, personality, uh, optimistic, yet tentative, yet nervous, yet um, able to do her job. Uh, the cipher for which we will probably pour all of our attention to in the first couple of, you know, missions or whatever. So that's that's kind of like where we're going for. So, Mike, how about you? Yeah, I almost cast Jamie Chung. Uh, for those that don't know, she also plays Mulan on the ABC series Once Upon a Time. Yes, she does. I, I mm-hmm. told you guys I'm raising a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. I I went with actually an uh, an up and coming actress that's very familiar to uh, Star Trek fans, and that would be and I'm going to botch her last name, Hannah Hete, mm-hmm. Molly from uh, DS9. Uh, I think she really brings that kind of young. I've only seen her in a couple of a uh, couple of interviews, and she really has that kind of um, young, new feeling. I think she would bring that uneasiness that we saw, especially early on with Hoshi, about being out in space. I think that's just kind of part of her part of her personality anyway, and I think she would bring that out in a role. Plus, we would get, much like we did with Linda Park, we'd get to see her kind of grow into the role. I think she'd be a great choice. And she has Star Trek heritage already, so... Can't go wrong with that. Right. How about you, Will? So for me... Um, I think I also looked at it from a reboot perspective, but I took a different aspect of of Hoshi. I think by the end of season four and towards season three, she has developed into a different character. She's more self-possessed. I think she can take on many different hats. She actually assumed command briefly. Um, I think the ability to have, I think, some sort of spunk or some sort of fire to her, I think it was hidden underneath some of her initial early season trepidation. So with that in mind, I chose Constance Wu, who is the mm-hmm. wife uh, from Fresh Off the Boat. And because mm-hmm. she's such a versatile actor in that show, she has an accent as an early first generation immigrant um, mother. But she actually, in real life, she doesn't have an accent. And she can play a, vers- a versatility. Uh, and she can play different types of roles. And I think she could be the type of role, type of character that develops. And I think Constance is the type of actors actress who has experience on Broadway and in drama to have that, um, that growth. That's a great, all great choices, all great choices. And here's the funny thing is that I'm um, actually Floyd and I have a, a very similar list because I also um, picked Jamie Chung uh, pretty much for the same reasons you did Floyd. She brings um, a certain brightness to her uh, because she is older now than when she first came on the scene. Um, I think she was a, a real-world participant uh, early on, and then she had some smaller roles. I think Sucker Punch was obviously her big breakout role, and then she has had some pretty good career success with Once Upon a Time as Mulan. And she plays younger, um, probably because uh, Asians actually do play a little bit younger. We have this great kind of sphinxness about our heritage. <laughs> some people still ask me, it's like, well, I can't believe you're still 52 when I'm actually only 43. So, you know, that's, uh, that's just my maturity for me, I guess. Um, but now going back to Linda, um, going back to Jamie Chung, uh, she also has grown and matured uh, over the course of a couple of her roles. So she can bring a little bit more of that veteran acting quality to bear on this when she needs to. So uh, that was a fantastic round of choices. So Floyd, um, what do we have next? Are we going with Travis next? Yeah, let's go with Mayweather. Okay. 
So Mayweather, again, was the easiest choice for me. I had this guy picked out years ago when I saw him. My pick for Travis Mayweather in my movie moguls all-star A-list trying to win an Oscar mm-hmm. role cast here, Michael B. Jordan. Chronicle, when I saw Chronicle, this I was like, this guy would make a blockbuster enterprise. Uh, he was Fantastic Four, and he's going to be coming up in Creed. I saw the I saw the preview for Creed the other night. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. Are you a Rocky fan? I'm a huge Rocky fan. Yes, definitely. Okay. We got a lot to talk about. That's a good choice. Yeah. So, I mean, but what else about um, Michael B. Jordan? Uh, He, again, optimistic, but he could still handle himself in a fight, as we'll see in Creed. Uh, This, uh, I actually, when I watched Chronicle, I was so disappointed. Spoilers, if you haven't seen Chronicle yet, uh, with what happened to him Mm. and how it turned out. Because he was the guy that I wanted to be, like, the sequel man for that, that franchise. So, um, yeah, I really like him. I mean, he, he can go, he can go deep and honest, and then he can also be super optimistic with a great smile. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mike, how about you? I went with Michael early. Um, probably most notably played Dorian and, the unfortunately failed series on Almost Human. I absolutely agree. If you haven't seen Almost Human, please do. That show was so good. That was awesome. And he was, that was so awesome good in series. it. Yeah. Yes, yes. He, he And I got to say, he's one of my favorite. I'm going to call him a sleeper actor because you just don't see him a heck of a lot. But he's brilliant. I mean, and he's almost too old to play the role of Travis Mayweather. But he does pull off youthful and fresh-faced. And I think he would bring that to the role. Uh, There was a depth to Travis that I don't think we really got to explore a great deal. We saw it in some roles, but uh, I think, I think Michael early would, would bring that depth uh, to Travis. And I would really love if they did a reboot, I'd really love to see his character just kind of come full circle and really explore that depth a little bit. For me, Anthony Mackie and, I think because you see him playing a larger and larger role in the Marvel Universe and he's growing as a character in the same way that I wish Travis Mayweather grew in Enterprise. And I totally agree with you, Mike. I think they really dropped the ball in terms of the Boomer storyline. Obviously, I'm Boomer Niner on Twitter for a reason because it's such a rich narrative um, well to draw from that they didn't really go to. I think they just didn't have the imagination to go there. But he... I think Anthony Mackie has the ability to play all that depth in terms of he's a new helmsman, but he has a lot of experience. And where does he kind of step up and grow into the character that we know that he should become? And I think he's already starting to do that in as Falcon, in Winter Soldier, uh, in Ant Man, and later on in you know the uh, the other Avengers movies. It's that role that you could see Travis Mayweather. I mean, if only we saw him develop into that type of the officer and that type of character at the end. I was so close with Anthony Mackie because I loved him in winter soldier and he's so, he's so just earnest and so believable and he has great weight to him, great depth, but in the end, and you're probably going to see a pattern here for me, not just with Floyd, because I think Floyd and I are on the same page on a lot of things here, but for me, Michael B. Jordan is just, a fantastic actor. He's he's really on the rise. And and when I first took notice of him was first in Fruitville Station. 
because it, this just um, it's just he he has this great kind of honesty behind him. And that made me take a look at more of his work. And that actually led me to Friday Night Lights, which is in my top five TV shows of all time. And he played Vince for the the Dylan. Um, I don't want to say the other. I didn't say I almost said Dylan Panthers. He wasn't Dylan Panthers. He was Dylan Lyons uh, on the other side. And the reason why I like him and the we, the reason why I project him onto Travis is because he is an against all odds type of actor. He brings that behind his eyes where if there's a challenge in front of him, he will try and do everything he can within his ability to do that. But he also knows that he's serving a bigger role. And in Friday Night Lights, it became really apparent to me because he was, and I'm going to spoil this. So if you haven't seen it, shame on you if you haven't, but you haven't seen it, please do. He became the quarterback of this team and they needed a leader. And It wasn't because he was doing it for fame or for glory. He did it because that was the role he felt he needed to be in as a person to mature. So that's why I chose him. I mean, he was great in Chronicle. Yeah, Floyd, I agree. Uh, Fruitville Station, Friday Night Lights. I didn't see Fantastic Four, not because of for whatever reason. I haven't haven't just had a chance to see it yet, but I cannot wait to see him in Creed. Cannot wait. I mean, I'll be first in line for that. That's one of my all-time wanting to see most of this year in movies. Um, so, yes. So, um, Michael B. Anthony for Travis Mayweather for me. And who's next on the list there, Floyd? All right. So I have Reed as my next choice. And again, we're going for the A-list, trying to win an Oscar here. So I actually have Daniel Craig as my Reed. Really? Did somebody did somebody else pick Daniel Craig? No, That's but I was just like, yes, is someone okay. going to pick Bond? For me? All right. Yes, I de- I have Daniel Craig. Um, yeah, I I see him joking. I see him being serious. Uh, I had to, I went with a British actor, mm-hmm. uh, someone that could physically handle himself. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna soak up the uh, decon chamber scenes, I guess. So all I know is that uh, Daniel Craig would kick the hell out of Major Hayes in this new yeah. reboot. <laughs> would just kick the crap out of him if he's and bringing his double seven yes. physique. Would just kick yeah. the crap out of that Mako. Just saying. unless Major but, Hayes was recast as Bautista. I guess. So. <laughs> I guess you're right. <laughs> wow! Wow! That's a that's a huge huge pick. Huge. Awesome. Love now, it. Hey, hey uh, on Daniel Craig, the alternate that I have, if if you would allow me, you know, for some reason, Daniel Craig might be, you know, maybe filming something called James Bond or something like that. If I would be allowed, I had Idris Elba as the oh, alternate. Awesome. Awesome pick. Awesome pick. Dude, you're killing it. I've got it. Hey, if I'm casting a movie, I've got to have that guy. Right. I've got to have him. I'm going to make him, I'm going to make a spot for him. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. I love it. Love it. Well, Floyd's Floyd's pick was much much better than mine. Uh, I went for I went for young British actor, um, and obviously Floyd, your version of Enterprise, you're going to del- really delve into the character of Malcolm Reed much more than probably my version of Enterprise. I I went with Kit Harrington, oh, uh, John Snow, Game of choice. Thrones, yeah. Pompeii. Mm-hmm. I I I just I I hate to say this, but I really saw him taking. Uh, read from where he is kind of taking him to the next step, not quite blockbuster, uh, a little more reserved, obviously than Daniel Craig, very, very young, but 
still being able to deliver that, uh, you know, that myth. I, I always felt that Reed was a very methodical character. He was a person of action. He didn't talk much. And the, the roles that I've seen Kit Harrington play, he's, he's that kind of actor as well. A lot going on, you know, on his face and his eyes. Those emotions are right there on the surface, but not quite coming out. And I, I, I saw that in the character of Reed. He was very reserved. The character was uh, uh, not, you know, buddy-buddy. There wasn't a camaraderie with, you know, he wasn't hanging around the water cooler talking to the other crewmates. They didn't know him very well, and he was fine with that. And I see I see Kit Harrington kind of playing that, but then still being able to kind of take it to that next level without diminishing the character that we came to know as Malcolm Reed. Great. And that's a great choice. That's, I mean, he's, there's a lot of depth to Kit Harrington. I think more than, than people really, he's more than just Jon Snow in my opinion. Yeah. You know, so how about you, Will? All good choices. Um, I think, like I said earlier, Reed was, was a tough choice for me just because like you guys mentioned, he's kind of a cipher and reactive in a lot of ways. Um, but I'm going to go back to another character from another Marvel movie that we just saw recently, actually. So Paul Bettany Ooh. from, Mm-hmm. Um, he I like that. was an Age of Ultron. He was Vision, mm-hmm. and I think with Re, he matches because there's a there's a quietness to him. There's a quiet intensity, and like you mentioned, Mike, there's a methodical approach to him. And I get that from Paul Bettany, and I, I get that from where you want to see Reed going, or you can see Reed going in terms of someone that keeps his cards very close to his chest, but he's always thinking. And there's surprisingly amount. There's a surprise amount of depth. Be you know beneath kind of that guarded veneer so i think for me that was it was tough because i was like man who, who could this really be um but paul bettany for me wow these are some swinging for the fences choices i love it i love the thought that you guys put into it for me for reed now reed again he was my most difficult uh to cast because because of uh bringing in what i knew of reed but if we're recasting this and for me to find an actor who's going to be that, you know, that senior um, uh, security officer, armsman, uh, master armsman for the Enterprise. I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with him, but if you're a Doctor Who fan, Arthur Darville, who played Rory, and I'll say Pond because he's Mr. Pond, really. He's not Mr. Rory, Pond. he's Mr. Pond. Arthur Darville, uh, who will also be um, the Time Lord Rip Hunter in the Legends of Tomorrow for DC. He is just a fantastic actor who has a lot of depth. He can play so many different facets of a character. I think he's a great character actor for his age. And because he was able to be a very blended type of binder that at least in Doctor Who, that was able to bridge a lot of different characters, especially with Amy and the Doctor. He was always right in the middle of things because he was a great observer. And I always felt that Reed is this just great observer. He's very reactionary, but when he acted, it was because it was absolutely necessary and it brought a lot of weight to his decisions. So for me, and for all the Doctor Who fans out there who I hope are like, as Mike is, they're, they're raising their fists in victory. Arthur Darville for... Lieutenant Malcolm Reed. So who's next Great up choice. on the list, Floyd? Cool. All right. So next I have Tucker, uh, chief engineer. So for this one, boy, I struggled with this because I didn't realize Connor Trenier 
was so young. I did not realize that he, that he was in his thirties when he made enterprise. So I look first, like at 30 year old actors from the South. Um, so I chose Ryan Gosling. He's 35 years old. He's from Louisiana. And that's who I actually ended up choosing because I was trying to stay with the age range who I actually had written down first was Matthew McConaughey. Wow. <laughs> Would what, he like roll like a little bit of warp plasma in between his fingers, you know, as he's, as he's uh, tuning up the warp <laughs> cells, he's like, what am I? All right. All right. All right. What am I going to do yeah. with this piece of plasma right here? I'm not what sure I what I like about do. these new crewmen. They get, I get older. <laughs> they all say the same, same age. age. <laughs> you seem to <laughs> confused too. Awesome. Wow. Those are big choices. So you're going to go with not Matthew. Mc- I'll go with, I'll go with Ryan Gosling, okay. but I probably would have, uh, I, I don't know. I might have Ryan Gosling on my speed dial. I might want to go with Matthew. I don't know. I, was, I might have to flip a coin on that, but don't tell Matthew. Your movie Floyd better open at 200 million box office for the first weekend <laughs> oh, because hey, your payroll this is, a is like all star a- blockbuster. This is like, yeah. this is like Avengers caliber. They're bringing together all the there hits. Are, <laughs> there are no more fences. He is just swinging for the stars with this one. But okay, let me ask you something, Floyd. So because of trip, because we what we know of trip and because rebooting it, did you think about an actor who would pair best with your to Paul or did you not go that direction? Well, with, and I'm, with this, it, you're, you're looking at like Tucker is going to be with this. My to Paul's almost the same age, but the, the my to Paul choice that I have is a, she can play an older character. And Ryan, I think, could would he already has the boyish looks anyway. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, but I, boy, I could ugh, if McConaughey and Daniel Craig as being friends on that. Man, that would be that would be a really awesome shuttle pod one, wouldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) How about you? How about you, Mike? How about you for uh, for trip? Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, this was really the easiest one for me to cast because I remember the first time I saw Connor Trenier playing the role of Charles Tucker, I immediately thought of Josh Lucas. Nice. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Jake from Jake from Sweet Home Alabama. He had notable roles in Beautiful Mind, mm-hmm. Hulk. This this guy's really got it all. He's he's got the he's got the boyish good looks, the mm-hmm. devilishly uh handsome smile, uh the 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 southern charm. Mm-hmm. He really he really brings it all. And then to to kind of throw it all in there, he's a really really good actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's a fantastic choice. That was actually that's a little left field for me. I, I I'm glad you mentioned him because Josh Lucas doesn't get enough work, in my opinion. No, absolutely not. He's he's very very good, and there's so many facets uh, to him as an as an actor. And if you even some of the more supportive roles that he plays, if if you really kind of follow some of the stuff that he does, he no two characters are alike. Yeah. Uh, you know, you think about. Uh, you know, gosh, I think I think about actors who it just seems like every time they play a character, it's the same doggone guy, you know, with a different name and a different movie. And you just don't get that with Josh Lucas. He really can do it all. He can do it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great choice. And, and Will, how about you? I think I'm, this is going to be a classic one, guys. Nathan Fillion. I like it. Because I like he, like I mean, he is that role to a T. I think he, I'm extrapolating my love for Firefly and of Mal 
into mm-hmm. Trip. I think obviously Mal is much more roguish character, but you know Nathan can can bring that type of that swagger, um, that type of charm. But at the same time, you know there's a command presence too because Trip, in many ways, is you know the first officer or, or was always you know in command in more ways than one. And I think Nathan Fillion is just fills that role perfectly. You could just see him also kind of as a blue collar guy too, you know, kind of, um, you know, preferring to be kind of in the in the in the engine room, but at the same time also having that command presence. And you know, I think just my love for for Mal Reynolds just uh, transfers very easily to Trip Tucker. You know, the great thing, Mal Tucker. You know, the great Mal thing Tucker. about all your guys' choices is Trip was always he was always the approachable one. I think it was very accessible to watch, and I think that's what. That's what Connor brought to the role. You know, he there were no errors about him. You know, he kind of lucked his way into Archer's good graces in first flight because he was with a guy that's like, now we can absolutely do that. You know, it's like, don't tell me that I can't do something. I can fix anything. You know, it's like, just tell me, just point me in a direction. I'll do it. And there's that just that great kind of get your hands dirty kind of honestness and sincerity about him. And for me. And I mentioned a pattern here because you're going to see it in this next choice. For me, I'm going back to Friday Night Lights because there's a character in Friday Night Lights who I felt just had this kind of put me in the role that you need me to be in. I will do it to the best of my ability, which is kind of like I felt everyone in Enterprise was. The actor's name is Zach Guilford, and he played Matt Sarenson on Friday Night Lights, who was the he was thrust into a position he wasn't ready for. But because his captain believed in him, he was able to do things that he wasn't, he himself did not believe he was capable of. He was also young enough to be a little on the naive side and kind of put himself into situations, much like Tripp did when he got pregnant and unexpected, that there's just a great balance of enthusiasm, naivete, and then eventually maturing into this great leadership role. And I believe that Zach Guilford, over the course of those five years on Friday Night Lights, really kind of exuded that as an actor. So I thought that he was the perfect choice. And he also has that kind of aw shucks, kind of, uh, you know, chewing on a hayseed kind of, you know, appeal to him. So I, I just think he's great. All great choices, guys. But now we're getting to kind of like the nitty gritty. Now we're getting to... There's not a lot of wiggle room for these characters because these are these are very iconic now. I mean, the other characters were, but right now these are this is your command staff. So Floyd, you're bursting at the seams. Who are we going with next? All right. So for sub commander to Paul, are we going to are we going are we not going to do flocks before her? Oh yeah yeah yeah. I'm sorry. I was just wondering if you want to keep the Paul and Archer for the top. Okay, well, let, yeah, let's do flocks. Okay. Let's do flocks. Cause oh yeah, well I actually I had okay flocks. I have Paul Giamatti. I I knew I told you all that that was my alternate, but I actually flip flopped on that because I wanted somebody that could be very optimistic. I mean, this guy when he smiles, he actually lights up a room. I needed somebody that, but can also be very serious and you know stand up to Archer and. Um, that was, that's my choice. Now the first, I told you all that was my alternate. The originally I had Joaquin Phoenix. Whoa. Wow. wow. 
That's like out of left field from another quadrant from through like through the wormhole comes out. (laughs) Okay, so again, we're this is reboot. We're yeah, because when I think of Joaquin, I think of Johnny Cash, guys. (laughs) Right, right. Well, but what I was trying to think of is what a you know an alien. Basically, somebody, <laughs> somebody quirky alien here, okay? And uh, but then I flip, I kind of waffled away because I was like, uh, I don't know about the optimism. I don't know, so that's why I, I went ahead and put Bald Giamatti at the top. Man, you, Floyd, you did you did some work this week. You did Man, some work. Four hundred yard drives. Jeez. Oh. <laughs> All right, Mike, follow that up. Okay, I you know okay, this is JJ Enterprise, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so I figure this guy is JJ's go-to guy. Plus, I think he could totally pull off Flock's Simon Pegg. Wow. Okay, let's hear a little totally, bit more. Totally be able. Yeah, he could totally pull this character off. Uh, first of all, I'd love to see him in the makeup. Second of yeah. all, I, I, much like Floyd, I think Floyd, you and I are thinking a lot alike. Uh, Simon has the ability for a little comic relief, but he can be very serious. Uh, he can he can smile and crack a joke and totally change the atmosphere of a scene. He really brings that kind of power to to his to his craft. And again, he's JJ's go to guy. I can't imagine JJ doing an Enterprise reboot without casting Simon Pegg somewhere. I think he would be a perfect Flox. Great choice as well. You got to follow that up with something good. So this is definitely going back. I think maybe it's definitely not going into the the more youthful category, but I think he encapsulates Flox's character in a lot of ways. So for me, it's John Reese davies because Ooh. of the gregariousness, oh, yes. because of the, you know, avuncular attitude that also can be serious too. But then mm-hmm. he's also for the most part, a surprisingly approachable alien, right? Surprisingly human denobulan, right? I think he, because he was Gimli and he had that makeup also because I think his roles and in Indiana Jones and kind of he has that role where he it just makes you very makes you feel like he understands all your problems, but he comes in from a very unorthodox way. So obviously, I don't think he's in the mind in the mold of a, of a JJ cast member, but I think it fits Flocks really well. And it's just amazing to see in your mind's eye and your head cannon that makeup on all these different acting choices. You know, because it's just neat when you walk into the med bay. And he says, you know, optimism, Captain, you know, and you have that exactly. giant smile. You know, it's, oh, wow, great choices. Uh, I'm going to go a little uh, maybe controversial here because I don't think he's anyone's first choice for Flocks. But when I was thinking about it, I wanted somebody who had great comic timing. I also wanted somebody who understood Star Trek and added value. He has been on Enterprise a few times. And my choice for Dr. Flocks is Seth MacFarlane. Oh, wow. Wow. He was yeah. great choice, Rivers, great right? Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I mean, everyone knows that there's, he's no stranger to Star Trek. And his love for Star Trek is beyond measure. I mean, he has, it's been permeated all of his actual professional work in some form or another. But I think that even through the makeup, his ability to emote, and it's not the greatest in the movie in the world that I saw, but A Million Ways to Die in the West, I think he is absolutely hilarious in in not a slapstick kind of way, but in this, in a way that Flox is hilarious. He has this type of subtle humor to him where you're actually, when you're talking to him, he engages you, but he also 
kind of puts you at a certain sense of ease and unease at the same time because of the way he just approaches you. So for me, I really thought that in the Denobulan makeup, I think Seth MacFarlane would make a great Dr. Flox. So that was my choice for that character. That's awesome. And now... Can I, can I make a suggestion? Sure. Can we do our, uh, our four... Um, Supporting our, characters? Our four additional crewmen before we do our top two? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's let's, a, say, let's save okay. those top two okay. for... Oh, you're wanting to say that for okay, last? Okay, so we're building, we're building the drama in this, huh? Ooh, we're right, building right. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so for all of the listeners out there, uh, the four extra characters, because they are so important as secondary characters, are Shran, Saval, Admiral Forrest, and Erica Hernandez. And the reason why I chose these particular characters is because they gave so much to the overall tapestry of the show in their recurring roles, but also because of the actors that were behind these particular characters. And some of them, I just, it's really hard to think about replacing them, but that's what this show is about. And I've challenged the team here to do that. So let's start off with Floyd and let's go with Ambassador Saval. All right. Ambassador Saval. Um, man, this, this was, I kept going back and forth on this. My wife said, you might as well pick him because you like him a lot. I chose Ralph Fiennes for Saval. Um, man, the guy, well, I mean, it just speaks for himself. I mean, he is, he would, I think he would be great. Like I was trying to think of someone that's just going to, that's going to play a intense, um, just an intense Vulcan. Like I could just see him with the ears and uh, <laughs> just given, given Archer a hard time at every chance that he got, I could just see it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, my alternate choice on that was Andy Garcia. Wow. Okay. So, yep. I again, we're we're talking like 50, you know, mid to late 50s with the age on this. Again, I just I don't know if he would go for the the wig, but uh we might have to re-examine the Vulcan haircut in this reboot universe. But yeah, I just those two guys, man, turn them loose on Archer. They're, he's in trouble. A lot of weight and a lot of presence with both of those actors, for sure. Yep. How about you, Mike? Yeah, Floyd, it's funny how you and I are thinking a lot alike, and yet we're coming up with different choices. I came up with Hugh Laurie, uh, House. Yeah, sure. Yeah, can totally see him playing uh, Saval again. The same methodology, Floyd, just a, just a different choice. I like that. I like that. I had him on my, he was penciled in a little bit, but then I was trying to think of someone that could stand up to Archer, but also on the big screen on a cat, on a movie poster. So that's what I was thinking. It's going to be really neat to see like all these fall into place once Archer's named, you know, because then it kind of like uh, it, it, it rounds out everyone's choices as to see like, okay, I see that. And all the dominoes start falling into place. So how about you, Will? How about you for Saval? So for me, this is actually, this is going to be a start of a pattern uh, for kind of, based off of shows that are popular right now within geek culture or mainstream kind of pop culture, Victor Garber, because his role is Professor Stein in The Flash. And I love The Flash. Thank you, Norm, uh, to Infinity for pushing me to watch that show finally. It was so good. So good. But Professor Stein in The Flash has, before he becomes uh, Firestorm, before he becomes more of a, relatable character he's very aloof right he mm -hmm. has this aloofness he has this arrogance his condescension that he knows everything right because he's so uh he's so smart he's he's a genius right in the same way that saval 
had that aloofness that had that same condescension, but only until the Kirshara trilogy that he, you know, we see that he was hiding this entire time. He actually likes humanity a lot. Right. And Tripp says, you know, you could have fooled me. Right. He's like, thank you. Right. That was the whole pl- that was the whole point. I think Victor Garber in a lot of, in many of his roles, not just uh, in the flash has that type of uh, depth to him. He can kind of really navigate and toggle. And I think it'd be perfect first of all. Little trivia here for uh, all of you uh, Star Trek 2009 fans. Victor Garber was actually in a scene that was cut out. He was part of the Klingon interrogation scene on Rurapenthe with Nero. Was he? Wow. That never made it to screen. Wow. So unfortunately, and you know, I mean, he would have been amazing to see. And I'm not sure if that footage exists anywhere. It definitely hasn't been seen in any of the behind the scenes on any of the DVDs or Blu-rays so far. But if anyone knows about that, if anyone actually has that in their possession or can point our way to it, please let us know. Um, great choices, guys. For me, uh, I wanted to take Saval in a little bit of a different territory here. I wanted him to be not as approachable as Gary Graham, because I love Gary Graham to death, but I thought his Saval also started to trend a little bit more towards being actually acceptable <laughs> to, uh, you know, as, as, as a Vulcan. Uh, I wanted to drive more of the tension back towards uh, him and Archer. And because I really am a huge fan of Outlander, I really would love to see Tobias Menzies, who plays Blackjack Randall, on Outlander as Saval, because if you want to talk about an actor that can walk into a room and immediately impress his weight and his presence upon a scene, look no further than Tobias Menzies, because he just has that about him. And his dual role in Outlander, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but his ability to access all the different facets of his characters is just absolutely outstanding to watch. And he has a really nice weathered look to him, which I mm-hmm. think is, is uh, beneficial when you're casting somebody like Saval. So for me, Tobias Menzies um, is, is my choice. So, And now we're going to... I'm going to throw this... Actually, I'm going to reverse the process here a little bit because I know that this is Will's favorite character from Enterprise. And I'm going to ask Will to start off this with recasting Erica Hernandez the captain of the Columbia, the NXO2. It's a tough one. And I think my choice for this will actually, I think, inform my eventual choice for Archer. I think my eventual, my choice for Archer is a bit older than what kind of what the JJ reboot kind of, I guess, would seem to indicate. But I think there's a whole host of younger actors, actresses I could have picked from. But for me, um, I picked Constance Marie for Erica Hernandez. And she plays, she's been a, character actor I think for in a lot of roles but I think she's played a lot she's, she was in George Lopez she was in Selena um, she was in another show I think on a major network I forget the name of it but she has a, a steady presence she has the ability to have humor um, but she also has a seriousness to her and I think it is age appropriate to the archer that I'm eventually going to pick but for me I think in the same way that Ada Maris who is a fantastic Eric Hernandez I think Constance Brie would be a, a perfect choice if we had to recast her. So, I knew her from the George Lopez show. Did, mm-hmm. did you mention that? Yes, yeah. she was the wife. Yeah. He was wife. Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. I, yeah, I like that pick. And how about you, Floyd? Where are you going with her, Erica Hernandez? I actually didn't write down a Hernandez because I was going to save her for the sequel. Okay, that's cool. Um, that's cool. But you know, I mean, if I if you, if you want me to pull out, he's already got a, a sequel, a, guys. A list. 
No, I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't want to put you on the spot because all of your picks have been fantastic. So if you weren't ready for that one, we can go right into Mike. Yeah, I think this uh, this isn't going to be an obvious choice. Um, she does she does kind of point to my choice for Archer that she is age appropriate, but maybe not necessarily someone you would see with the actor that I chose for Archer. I think not only not only is this a beautiful actress, but again, we're talking about an actress I don't think most people would consider her to be really diverse, and yet she's very diverse. Uh, Eva Mendes, mm-hmm. uh, Hitch, Too Fast, Too Furious. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's gorgeous, but yet there is a depth, there is a maturity uh, to her as an as an actress that I just don't think a lot of people associate with her. I, I'd I'd love to see her in a blue jumpsuit uh, in command of the NXO two. I agree. I think that Eva Mendes actually doesn't get enough credit for the for her acting ability and the versatility that she has because she's a little off-putting as an actress because she's so beautiful. But mm-hmm. when you actually get past that and watch her for some of the really good roles that she's been given, she really is quite talented and there's a lot there to offer. Um, I'm kind of like in that same vein with you, Mike. When I was thinking of Hernandez, I wanted somebody who wasn't just judged on their looks. I wanted somebody to be able to stand with my archer or stand with any of the command staff with my forester or any of the Starfleet, you know, leaders or admirals and, and have that. Cause she is the captain. I mean, she's the captain of the second warp five ship. I mean, that is no small feat. So for me, if you've been watching the daredevil series on Netflix, my cast choice for Erica Hernandez is Rosario Dawson. I think that she is, Love that. She's beautiful, strong, mm-hmm. fierce, and just has, again, I, I, the, the, when I chose my actors, I want them to be able to walk onto that scene and you immediately feel who they are. They don't have to explain themselves just by the, literally their reputation precedes themselves. And for somebody like Hernandez, I really felt that you needed somebody who was taken very seriously. And actually, for me, one of my all-time favorite roles for Rosario Dawson was in Unstoppable, which starred Chris Pine. <laughs> uh, it yeah. was it was you know the, the train the movie with the Unstoppable train. Uh, I thought that she was really good in that kind of crisis situation. She showed a lot of charisma and a lot of confidence, and she took charge when charge was needed to be taken. So, I think that she's a great choice for that role. So um, that's an awesome choice. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, gosh, this is this has got to be this has got to be one of the tougher ones for for secondary characters. But for me, uh, it it came pretty much in a flash. But I'm going to start with Floyd. Get back in the rotation, and we're going to talk about Shran. And every I know everyone listening is going to be like, "Ooh," because how do you really you know supplant Jeffrey Combs? And we Jeffrey Combs is well entrenched as our Shran on the TV series, but in this reboot, remastered, recast, we have to pick somebody else. That's the rule. So, Floyd, I know that you've been wanting to talk about this, so who do you got? Well, I mean, I would hire Shran to coach the actor that I'm going to put there because that, or I'm I'm not Shran, but uh, Jeffrey Combs because I love Jeffrey Combs for this role. But I chose Aaron Eckhart. Wow. Um, So we're talking, you know, Mm Two-Face. And then I just I, I've liked that guy for years and years and years. I think he could be, he could bring the intensity. He could uh, he could bring the chip on his shoulder. 
Um, the alternate I actually had was Sean Bean, but I'll always I take Sean Bean in any role. <laughs> That's what, yeah, and he's and I'm gonna make sure he makes it through this. Movie. Well, he's my he's Porthos, so he's spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but you don't want Porthos to die. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure if Sean gets the role, he's gonna make it. Man, Shran, I love Shran. Mm-hmm. He's gonna make it. But yeah, I actually had Aaron Eckhart at the top on that just for his intensity. Fantastic. Yeah, he's great. I mean, I think anyone who hasn't seen, you know, The Dark Knight. Uh, I mean, jeez, <laughs> his two faces. Well, let's be fair. His Harvey Dent just as good. You know, I mean, you have to yeah. be able to play both sides of that equation. And I think it's just a little bit easier to turn on the intensity for when he was, you know, injured and he turned into two face or Harvey right. two face in the, in the movie. But as Harvey Dent, I mean, you have to be able to take the charisma because Shran does have a fair amount of charisma to him. Yeah. You know, he's very charming and he can he's silver tongued, well, blue tongued, pink tongued. I'm not sure. <laughs> Blue. Blue. How about you, Mike? Yeah, it, you're going to see a pattern emerging because I'm I'm going with a, a lot of times actors and actresses who are typecasts oftentimes that have just so much more depth, I think, than most people realize. I went with a popular TV actor, uh, Law & Order SVU, Chris Maloney. Oh. I can totally see him barging onto the bridge of the NX-01 and saying, that's two you owe me, pink skin. He's very intense. He's very intense. Yeah, good one. yeah he's very intense. Yeah. He's very intense. Um, a little Jeffrey Combs-ish in the way that he can really morph into different characters, almost almost on command. But again, he gets typecast in kind of that tough guy detective role mm-hmm. because of his long tenure with Law & Order SVU. So much more to this guy that uh, I just don't think people realize. Awesome. Awesome. And Will? So for me, uh, I think this is where my boomer ninerness comes through. And I think I did a little bit of kind of finagling and I just swapped in another brilliant recurring actor in the Star Trek universe. And that's Casey Biggs. Because I love him as Damar. But as Shran, and he was in Enterprise. He was the, uh, totally blank, he was a captain in the Expanse that they basically stranded so he he's been in enterprise he's been in a lot of roles within star trek but that's okay if you don't remember his name because in that role he had no name that's right like yeah that's exactly right um so but for for me for casey biggs like how he took the role of damar and he was so pivotal you could see the exact same trajectory with shran because if there was a season five enterprise you know he's going to play a front and center role and you could you know just like in deep space nine damar wasn't quite an enemy, wasn't quite a friend. Shran, not quite an enemy, not quite a friend, but they're getting to that point where they can, you know, begin to trust each other. Um, and he has that type of intensity, that almost that that intensity that comes out that you see in Shran. So for me, it was just like, oh, Casey Biggs. Uh, uh, he plays a very similar role to Jeffrey Combs, and for me, it was a very easy choice. Was it easy for you guys to think about Shran because Shran just has this certain intensity to him? I asked that before I answer my own my own casting call, but it's just Shran is he was going to be in in our season five if we got a season five he was going to be added to the cast, but I think it's just because he brought so much. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think I think you can. He has a very distinct personality. Not I don't want to say tick, but he has a very distinct personality key that you can really key into. Um that I think a lot of actors have that you can kind of pull from. And the examples you guys have right here are really good. So I think 
in a way, you know, I think he's kind of like the opposite of Reed. Like he, he wears his emotions on his sleeve or in his on his blue sleeve or his blue skin. So you can really use it as a marker to kind of hone in. I think if there was an actor that deserved a, a, a main character role in a Star Trek series, it's Jeff Combs as a character. Shran, he, he, he was perfect in so many ways because Archer never quite knew where he stood with him, nor I think did he really understand where he stood with Archer. You know, the, there was this this almost love-hate relationship between between the two guys. They didn't trust each other at all, and it really made for a lot of great tension. Uh, I Again, we would have seen him as a main character in season five, but yeah, there's an intensity there, and I think because, because Archer is a character could be intense, but really we saw Archer being a little bit more laid back. And so that was an, that was an interesting dynamic there when you got those two characters in the same scene, it was a really, really interesting dynamic. Mm -hmm. So for my pick for Shran and this one came about literally as, as quick as lightning in a bottle. If you're familiar with the TV series, which has actually been canceled recently, the TV series defiance, Tony Curran, who plays Daytac Tar on Defiance, is my absolute number one, if Jeffrey Combs never existed, number one pick for Shran. Because what you saw in Daytac Tar, and Tony Curran's, he's, I mean, he's just a fantastic actor. Just out of, you know, it's like you see him in all his different roles. Um, Google them because there are so many. But in this particular character, the reason why I chose him for Shran is because Daytac Tar is exactly like Shran. He's noble when he needs to be. He's treacherous when it serves him best. He is the quicksand in any relationship, but at the same time, even if it serves his own purpose, he will do the right thing. You know, it's just there's a great shiftiness about Shran, especially when he came in in season three and he helped Archer but didn't help Archer with the Zindi probe. You know, there's always this ulterior motive with Shran. And it so was, he's smiling, but you're just not quite sure what's behind that smile. Exactly, yeah. exactly. You need to have both eyes on both of his hands because somewhere along the line, that dagger is coming out. Whether he means to use it to open your mail or open your innards, that's up to him. You know, but that's the way that I see Detactar, and that's the way that I saw Shran. So that was a really easy leap for me. Um, now in the in the uh, in the, I want to get to our main characters. I wanted to do one more character, but um, I really want us to spend a lot of time with our choices for the top two characters for Enterprise, and that's Subcommander T'Pol and obviously Jonathan Archer. And this is actually the time where I want us to ex really explain why we chose these two because these two are the two anchors for the show. I mean, as much as and great as the characters are that we've chosen, without these two cast correctly for our movie or our TV show, I don't think that it would work. These have to be absolutely right because they key off every single other choice that we've made. So, Floyd, Subcommander to Paul. All right, so for Subcommander to Paul, I chose Jessica Chastain. Wow, interesting choice. 
Strong. So, uh, with that, you know, I recent, most recently saw her in Crimson Peak, and that just made my th- that just made this really easy for me. I mean, very intense. Uh, she has a smoldering look. Uh, she holds your attention with just a glance. Um, and then I just I could see her. She she could stand up to these other guys that I have in here. I mean, we're talking about Ryan Gosling, Daniel Craig. Um, I could just I could see her holding her own and being a strong strong character against any any of these guys. Like she could run this show, man. She could take over that seat. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but did she come to prominence probably most with Zero Dark Thirty? Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, and she was also in the Interstellar. The only right. problem with this choice is that we would have to cover up her beautiful red hair. Probably, unless we're going to have to go with a red-haired Vulcan. Hey, but that's an you know? that's an interesting that would thing. Be interesting, yeah, because you bring that up because now you're not dealing with the physicality of her and is go- I mean, she has a gorgeous figure. She has that flaming ginger hair, but you're now dealing with the reason why you chose her. This because she has to bring that command presence without being overstated. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, that that was for this. I I had to have a super strong actor on this, and I just I feel like she could just knock the knock it out of the park. I mean, she, we're looking right now for she's looking for winning the Oscar in uh, Best Actress. Mm-hmm. That's that's wow. That's a powerful choice. Powerful choice. That's um, a stacked. That's a stacked crew we have here. Yeah. Wow. It's like yeah, the yeah. NBA <laughs> super team. It's like the big three times ten. You know, this is like our. Um, this is our first Olympic basketball team, right? Yeah. Yep. Dream, dream team. Yep, yeah. The yep. dream team. All right, Mike, you're up. All right. Yep. I'm gonna go with Jamie Murray. Uh, Defiance. You mentioned Defiance, Norm. Look at you. Oh man. my God, that's awesome. <laughs> I love yes. it. Yes. Hustle, Dexter. You know my favorite role, H.G. Wells on Warehouse 13. And really, that that is the role that I look to when I was thinking about her for T'Pol. Again, she is gorgeous. I don't know if she'd pull off the cat suit, but the interesting thing, when we first meet T'Pol, you don't know if you can trust her. Mm -hmm. You don't turn your back on her because you just don't know if you can trust her. And I think Jamie Murray brings that to every... You just especially H.G. Wells, you couldn't trust her. You couldn't turn her. But yet, at the moment when it was most critical, she would step up and do something really incredible, really noble, self-sacrifice. She has the ability to um, bring that kind of austere nature to the character. I think um, when we talk about Vulcans, we're talking about someone who can uh, be very stoic, but yet still um, still be able to read those emotions just just not quite on the just under the surface and Jamie Murray just hits it on every note yeah I mean as Stamatar you can definitely see her make that transition into Vulcan yes. very easily um, she was this close on my list this close <laughs> wow that was a great choice um i'm excited to hear what you have to say will i need to really watch defiance huh oh my god oh my god it's only three seasons unfortunately but yeah i've um, heard that i've heard the i've yeah. heard the the fact that it was canceled prematurely yeah, it's too bad for me this is based off of a show that i've watched this past year and have just absolutely just loved and it's carrie russell 
because of her role in The Americans. Mm. And she is so good as Elizabeth in that show. And I think beforehand, I think Carrie Russell was best known for her role in Felicity, which is a completely different character than Elizabeth. And that just shows you the range that she's been. And she's kind of been, uh, she's not quite a, you know, a super prominent actress, but people recognize the roles that she's been in. And the role that she has in The Americans just absolutely blew me away. I love that show. Can't wait for it to come back in, in March because she's so layered. Because there's an intensity to her, but there's also the fact that she's also a very caring mother. And she's also a, a, a devoted wife, but she's also a, you know, a, a person of her... She's also a self-possessed person. She's also a person unto herself, and she's be able. She's playing all of these um, different facets, and it's a cauldron of emotion, which is in a lot of ways what T'Pol is: is a cauldron of emotion. And I think she would pull off the stoicness really well, the emotion really well, the range, the growth. So for me, I think that one was uh, when it came to me. I was just like, "Wow, I'm totally sold on that idea." Um, so that's my choice. I mean, I was so super surprised, even though it was a small role, how absolutely fantastic she was in Mission Impossible 3. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because I didn't expect that from her. And there was a lot of range there. And yeah, I mean, when she was in Felicity, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, there was an ensemble cast. So she was really kind of reacting to an ensemble cast. And I'm going to have to take your advice there, Will. I'm going to have to watch The Americans because I know how much you love it. And I trust your judgment on that. Okay. So deep breath. Since Mike stole Jamie Murray from me. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't. I was like I said, she was, believe it or not, she was the third on my list. Um, I want to start with my alternate because I don't think that she gets nearly enough recognition for what she can bring just in terms of her acting ability to anything. And this one's actually a little I'm going to I'm going to to dedicate this my alternate to Greg Malumbi because he's a also a fan of Orphan Black. Mm. And my alternate choice for to Paul is Tatiana Maslany because of her ability to shift gears at a moment's notice and make every single character that she portrays absolutely 100% believable. Mm -hmm. Now, how can I top this? Well, I'm going to top this because this actress, my choice, is so intense without trying to be intense, so Vulcan by nature in the role that I that I used as her mold. And that's Olga Kolyenko from Quantum of Solace, who played Camille. Oh, yes. The reason why I chose her is because she has the statuesqueness of what I believe T'Pol should have. Even if she's not doing anything on the bridge, the presence of her being there itself reads Vulcan. If you actually watch her performance in Quantum of Solace, and I know that's not the most favorite of the Craig films for fans, but what she brings to that role is something that really speaks to Paul to me without even trying. So there's a, an intenseness behind her eyes that to Paul has when she struggles with her emotions. There's the whole revenge factor that Camille has towards the end, and she's struggling with that, whether or not she's going to pull the trigger on Green. And I saw that in all of season three, that that Jolene had. I, I feel that that was Jolene's best and strongest season, especially with some great moments. Um, so I found that parallel to what Olga was doing in Quantum of Solace. So Olga Kurlyenko, my choice for T'Pol. I like that. Yeah. I actually had her probably third on my list uh, behind Angelina Jolie. 
<laughs> that was second. But yeah. All right. So we're ready for Archer. Okay. Everyone take a deep breath. Kind of shake it out because this is it, folks. Uh, for all of you who have been with us this entire time, this is what you've been waiting for. The choice, the reboot recasting choice for the captain, the very first captain of the Enterprise, the NX-01. Floyd, let's kick it off. All right. So for this, this was the toughest, toughest choice for me because I had to find somebody that could command Daniel Craig and possibly Matthew McConaughey. And make more money than all of them. (laughs) Well, yeah, because he's going to have to lead this, right? He's going to have to lead this. Jessica Chastain is going to be right there against him. He's going to have to uh, go toe-to-toe with Aaron Eckhart. He's going to have to, uh, you know, look Ralph Fiennes down. And look amazing in the decon chamber, right? So, Oh, well, we're going to have to get the workout room on this, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'll give it. I'll, we'll, we'll maybe get him with Daniel Craig on the workout. All right. Um, so I needed to find somebody that was going to be – uh, big, approachable, uh, an, another optimistic, but still be able to command the room, command the chair, command these other crewmen here. So the first person that I actually thought of and I waffled on it is Colin Firth. Ooh, great choice. So I, again, with, you know, thinking of if, so who's going to be headlining? I mean, we're talking, this guy is just awesome. Now we're gonna have to work on his accent a little bit, but uh, after seeing him in the uh, the spy movie right now, I can't think of it. I'm seeing the Kingsman, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Boy, I I just see this guy running the show. I could I I think I could see him headlining this this all star cast. It's funny in a couple of movies, Kingsman, The King's Speech, uh, fantastic. I mean, gosh, one of the best, one of the best. Now, if you were if you let me. Boy, really, really rebooting it. I really, really wanted to put Kevin Spacey in that in this role. Well, that's interesting. But oh, wow. I, but for that, it was going to be difficult for I don't know. It was just difficult for me to see him being like truly approachable, truly nice. Like it kind of Kevin Spacey kind of seems like to me like when he's smiling and he's you know he's saying something nice that it might be a little sarcastic. I don't know. But would he uh, be a great I man? He would be a great Tran. Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I had him as an alternate on the Archer. That's good. Um, Captain Frank Underhill. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Great choices, Floyd. Great choices. All right, Mike, what do you got? Okay. I'm going with Gerard Butler. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thinking about my cast, you know, you have to have an actor who can play next to Josh Lucas as Tucker and be laid back, uh, approachable. Uh, They had an interesting relationship because the dynamic was there when they're sitting there having a meal at the captain's table or when they're watching a water polo match. They're two completely different people towards each other. But yet when Archer walks into that engine room and says, what's going on with the engine trip? It's an entirely different dynamic and I think uh, Gerard Butler can bring that I can see him playing next to Jamie Murray as to Paul uh, with his you know with his head up and he's putting his best foot forward Um, Archer as a character was very existential um, more so probably than any other captain that we saw in Star Trek and I just really feel like that Gerard Butler brings 
a certain sophistication to the, to the role. But again, you see that kind of uh, typical existential, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want to do, you know, screw you. And I, I see that with Gerard Butler. I can see him um, kind of engaging Reed in a, in a mentoring type relationship. Gerard Butler is someone that uh, Hannah could look up to as, as Sato uh, and certainly Michael Early as, as Travis. So I really think he brings the balance uh, to my crew. Good Fantastic choice. choice, man. Fantastic. Okay, well. So my choice, I think, could be a little bit unorthodox, may not have the same star power, but it still follows a pattern of, uh, based off the shows that you know I've said before that I've loved. And for me, it's John Wesley Shipp, who was Henry Allen. Mm-hmm. In the Flash, the father Barry. He was in the fa- he was the father in Dawson's Creek, which didn't, which I didn't watch, but I understood he played a, a really good role in that too. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I picked him is is because of what I know Scott Bakula to be. Because for me, Scott Bakula is Archer in so many ways. And when I see Scott Bakula in an interview, he is such like he is such a quintessentially good guy in the sense that he is very. He cares about the other actors. He is he's very paternalistic without being patronizing. He has a good hand on his shoulders. He's been in the industry for a while. He has that weathered confidence to him. In the same way that I love the Flash and I love the portrayal of Henry Allen, who was the biological dad of um of Barry. And yet Barry had another dad in Joe. But the fact that their relationship there was never a dark side to Henry Allen. He always had this this optimism. He had this world wariness. But at the end of the day, he had this optimism that allowed him to be falsely imprisoned, to still kind of carry through, to still inspire his son. And that's what I see in Archer, that he has his elements, he has his moments when he's kind of giving into his dark side or kind of goes down a, a different path. But in a lot of ways, Archer is at his core, and when he's at his best, he's a good guy. He's a moral guy, and he's a, a, a paternal figure to so many in that crew. And I just get that vibe so much from John Wesley Shipp and from Henry Allen. And I can just see like, that's the type of Archer I want to see. It's admittedly a bit older than a JJ reboot, but I could just see him being kind of like that first captain. And I'd like to see him kind of be in that role. Admittedly, although I love Scott Bakula in that role, I think this is the perfect alternate for it. Wow, great choices, guys. I mean, these That's a are great choice. Fantastic. You know, the funny thing is about Archer uh, is that Archer is not perfect. And I think that's the one thing that's really hard to do when you're trying to cast a captain. The captain of the first Enterprise is you want to you cast this paragon, but he's not supposed to be that. He's supposed to be a very flawed figure, a very realistic person who's trying to do the best he can with the training that he's learned and to try and adapt to the situations at hand the best way he can. I mean, he's going to do it by his own compass, his own morality, and the things that have forged him as a person. I mean, Henry Archer, his father, you know, he taught him what it meant to be in Starfleet, and that he has a legacy to uphold. So in all of that, it's it's really difficult to try and nail down the, the one actor or maybe a couple actor choices that can pull that off, even with Scott Bakula, who is a tremendous choice and obviously one of our favorites. Now, for me, I, 
I had so many selfish choices. I mean, I wanted to do Ben Browder from Farscape. I wanted to do Bruce Boxleitner from Babylon 5, Nathan Fillion. I mean, all these classic captains. But when you cast captains like that, they already have this certain sense of, of, of kind of already having figured it out. Maybe with the exception of Ben Browder, but he was so good at, um, at what he did in Farscape. So, so what you're saying is you cast yourself, right? Don't <laughs> got it. I'm wearing the O2 hat, not the O1 hat. I, I only get the, on the O2. Um, I really had to kind of like shake out the cobwebs and really dig deep. And now you're going to see kind of like the the culmination of the pattern of some of my choices. I chose Matt Sarenson from Friday Night Lights. I chose Vince from Friday Night Lights because these two characters were the two quarterbacks from Friday Night Lights. The two characters that Archer, I felt, had the best working relationship with on Enterprise. He was able to grow Travis as a, as a paternal figure, but he was also able to mold Trip into an officer. So for me, if you guys can actually anticipate my choice, for me, the quintessential Captain Archer is Kyle Chandler, who everyone knows, who watched Friday Night Display, play, played coach taylor coach eric taylor and why i like him as an actor is because just like you said will in his interviews he plays like scott Bakula. he just has that that real sensibility to him on screen because of how good he was in that role he can play noble but he could also be that person who just sits with you in the sweet spot and talks to you and say hey you know what how was your day but he also is a coach so he has to bring the team together. He has to have that inspirational spirit. And in doing so, he has to be able to do it with and without a speech. You know, he just, I don't know. There's just something about him when I watch him. It's just so magnetic because he can bring all those different facets of a human being to the forefront exactly when they need to happen. And that's a true sign of a leader. But he also plays flawed really well. And he also really questioned a lot of his choices in that show. And that's what I found Archer doing a lot. Am I doing this? Am I turning left when I should be going right? Am I pushing the warp engines too hard? Am I pushing my crew too hard? Am I not pushing them hard enough? There's no right or wrong answer when you're the first captain. Mm -hmm. But all of the weight is on you. And he had so much drama beating down on him in Friday Night Lights. And he had to do the best he could. And he was always able to rise to the occasion by either sheer force of will or just by the teamwork and the spirit of the people that work around him. So I love him as an actor. I will watch anything that he does and I would love to see him as captain of the enterprise. So clear eyes, full hearts, right? Can't lose. That's right. <laughs> Can you imagine like <laughs> that's where the line came from? Cause he was Archer and that's what he would said. And so it came from that show as opposed to Friday night lights. Oh gosh. Just instead of saying engage, you know, all of a sudden Claire Heist, Claire has full hearts and then Michael B. Jordan turns around and he says, can't lose. And they go off into space. My heart would melt. It would melt. Oh, gosh. That's I think 300 I, million wow. box office Ooh. right there. <laughs> and that's, a, that's what's neat just to break even with Floyd's, <laughs> Floyd's operating incredibly stacked cast. <laughs> hey, my, my goal for mine, it's, it's a billion. Billion <laughs> worldwide. If it's Going less for than Avengers a billion, money, huh? Disney money, huh? Wow. <laughs> if, it's bill, if it's less than a billion, I am, you won't know, I will not be on this planet anymore. I will jump on the next, uh, the NXO3 coming by oh, and man. I'm taking off, man. I'm trying to sweep the Academy Awards 
words. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm driving <laughs> off with a truck full of money here, man. You know what the best thing about, and Mike, thank you so much for bringing this idea to us. And, and then thank obviously Shar and Kristen for, for bringing that just into the spectrum of Trek FM. And I really do wish any of the shows, I know that we probably don't have time to pick a show, but I really wish some of the other shows like Standard Orbit or Earl Grey, um, you know, pick this up because it's a lot of fun to do. And I think it's a lot of fun for the audience and our listeners to chew on because as you're in your car listening to this or on the train or heading to work or, or you're at work and you know, you're, you're downloading this and your headphones are on, and so many times you're probably, you probably have your own list. And you know what? Please do. When this show drops and you listen to it and you have a great casting choice, send that in to us. Put that on the Babel Conference. Send it in an email. Send us a voicemail and let us know what your choices are. And we'd love to talk about that because there's no right or wrong to this. This is like our personal preference. And that's the best thing about speculation and casting. I think we started doing this as soon as they dropped the new news for the Star Trek 2017. We already started... What era is it going to be? What cast is it going to be? Are we going to have a female captain? Are we going to have a male captain? Are we going to have an alien captain? You know, so there's no, there's no limit. The sky is, well, the, <laughs> the stars are the limit uh, for this. And your imagination is the most important thing about all of this. Because, again, this is your fandom. This is the answers that we gave today or tonight. This is where we wanted to take it. And we can still see these characters in our headcanon and... I don't think there's any more fun than we could have tonight than talking about this, right? But uh, we can't go on forever, and it's been a lot of fun talking about the remastered cast for the Enterprise, but this isn't the only topic we've been talking about here on Trek FM this past week. So here's a quick look at some of the other things you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but if you haven't seen it, I would suggest you... I mean, you kind of have to. Like you said to me, you, you kind of have to. If, you, if you're going to be an original series fan, you got to watch all the uh, original series crew doing stuff. The Ready Room. Here's one more thing I want to throw out here for you guys. Recasting this episode, because I know you guys like to do this on To The Journey with things, with mm-hmm. series and such. I think that Ma'ab should be played by Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. To the journey! Bravo to the holodeck. Bravo to the holodeck. Bravo to science! Yes, for coming to the truth. Commentary, Trek stars. If they came out there like Damon Lindelof is working on the show, I, it would be like jets and sharks in the streets. <laughs> that 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 heart on Twitter would burst into flames like it was being held by Molaram or something, you know? The 602 Club. So what we have here is an origin trilogy. And I think that's what's so brilliant about Skyfall is that by the time you get to the end of Skyfall... You have put Bond back exactly where he belongs, but you've also made him new and modern. And it's an incredible trick to pull off. Literary tricks. It definitely starts in a very dark place and it doesn't get much brighter at all, uh, you know, until we until we get to the end. And, and, you know, there's some hope there. But yeah, definitely it's it's a dark book. Women at Warp. Basically, they're overturned by Riker being sexy. (laughs) Uh, Well, to be fair, Riker's sexiness has been used to save the day on numerous occasions. Meta Trex. 
that would have just been a grand moment if, uh, you know, George Takei would have played Tuvix, you know, and, and when the transporter accident happens, he's standing there in those colorful clothes and just says, oh my. Oh my. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So I wanted to thank Mike and Floyd again for joining us because as our associate producers for Warp 5, I mean, it is a huge thing for, for you to do what you do and to be so gracious with your time and your support for Patreon. And I believe both of you came to the network from the Patreon program at Trek FM. So if both of you could briefly let the audience know what the Patreon program is about and why you found it beneficial to support the network through Patreon. So for me, it was about supporting Trek Talk. I don't get a lot of opportunities uh, to talk to people about Star Trek, and it's one of my favorite subjects. So this was a great opportunity for me just to support a network where you know people get together here on air and they talk about Star Trek, and they have fun doing it, and I think that's what it's all about. It's why I love Trek FM. That's why I took my dollars away from Sirius XM and gave to Trek FM. Um, it's a it's about uh, coming together and sharing ideas, having a laugh, thinking maybe a little deeper. That's what Trek FM is all about, and the the camaraderie, the uh, you know, the, the great fellowship that we have both in terms of the network and in the Babel conference, that that's what it's all about for me. You know, fans connecting with fans and all of us sitting around and, and talking about, you know, boldly going where, where no one has gone before. Now in the Patreon program, that's uh, patreon.com slash Trek FM. There are, what it is, is that it's a funding program for our network because our network is funded by the fans. It's funded by you, just like Mike, just like Floyd. Um, my, I was actually um, a associate producer for the show before I rose through the ranks of Trek FM, and as was Will. And it's important to us to support our fandom because, like Mike said, this is a great forum for us to be able to express ourselves and to do it in, a, in an arena that is um, acceptable and safe. You know, we don't really get a chance to have a lot of forums out there that are as great as what we can provide our listeners, especially in the Babel Conference, our Trek FM dedicated fan group page on Facebook. So in the patron program on Patreon, there are all these different tier levels that you can choose however you want to do it to support Trek FM. And one of the great perks is being able to become an associate producer at a certain level to to access your fandom in certain ways that you never thought you could before. And probably one of the most successful ways we do that is the Patrons Roundtable, which is run by Will. So, Will, if you could tell us a little bit about that specific offering and how our listeners can join in that program. Sure. So, the Patrons Roundtable is, uh, is a roundtable that we're, we're holding uh, bi-monthly now. It used to be just once a month, but now it's going to be held uh, twice a month because it's been so popular with our fans, our listeners, our community, and it's just a casual venue where uh, the hosts and our patrons who donate at the $15 level can contribute their own ideas and thoughts and just kind of talk Trek at a meta level about the shows. Uh, this past month, we obviously talked about the big news of Star Trek 2017, but it's just a great way for you to be heard and to interact um, with everyone, and Floyd and uh, Mike, you've been on the roundtables. You guys have been great. Norm, you've been on. It's just a really great opportunity for people to kind of talk sometimes when they're um, not within a, a specific show, but, you know, 
have across different shows and different interests. So if you can help us out, go to patreon.com slash trekfm. We have a reduced tier level at $15. We'll get you access to the round table. So we'd love to see you there. And so we have the round table and we have the associate producer levels. We also have what's called the patron zone. And uh, at a certain donation level, you get access to that. You have the opportunity to download some really great digital wallpapers, some great ringtones, just a lot of really cool behind-the-scenes access for your Just $5, very low, too. Just, is it just $5? So there you go. And I think it's a great way for you to stay connected, and it's also for a great way for you to help us bring all this great content to you. And I mentioned the Babel Conference before. So when you're part of our community, you have access to the Babel Conference. Just type B-A-B-E-L in your search engine on Facebook and join our conversation there. Because in my opinion, I think it is one of the best forums out there in social media because one, it's a forum about respect. And I think that's really important to have in a lot of these conversations because there's so much negativity sometimes out there in social media. But when you come to the Babel Conference, be prepared to be welcomed and to have a lot of engaging conversation at your fingertips. And not just about Star Trek, but all different types of fandom, especially with the 602 Club and the feeds that it has with James Bond and all these different types of other fandoms and Star Wars because Star Wars is so popular right now. Now, if you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on Trek FM slash contact and look on the sidebar on the show page. You can find different ways to connect with us there. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash Trek FM and leave us a voice message Uh, And we would love to get a voice message for Warp 5. We don't get nearly enough, so please feel compelled to do so because we would love to hear you. And maybe that message might get up on the air in an upcoming show. You could also contact us through Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook, facebook.com slash TrekFM. And I just mentioned the Babel Conference, and please join us there. We would love to have you and have you join in on the conversation because it is so great. I love being in the Babel Conference every day. Probably a little too much sometimes, as we all do, Um, but we have a great community there. Please join us there and be part of the fun. Now, for our associate producers, Mike and Floyd, again, I can't thank you enough for supporting the show. So please tell us and let your listeners know how they can engage you and contact you through the network or across subspace. Yeah, you can uh, you can get in touch with me on the Babel conference. I uh, if I'm not posting there every day, I'm definitely reading. And I just want to just give a shout out to the Babel conference uh, participants. Man, it it is such a joy to actually participate in the Babel conference as opposed to some other groups when you go out into the wild and you see how some other groups behave. Man, I, I just love the Babel conference. I love everyone that participates in that it just keeps it so positive and uh, i also look forward to seeing uh, go ahead and post your lists uh, what would be your super crew or what would be your re- reboot for this i look really look forward to everyone's uh seeing everyone's lists and get that conversation going thanks yeah. a lot floyd and you mike yeah uh in addition to being associate producer here on warp five which i'm i'm very proud to be a part of you guys uh your team thank you so much for uh welcoming me back to the nx01 and uh it's just just such a treat to work with you guys Uh, in addition to my role as associate producer for this program uh, i'm one half of the duo on uh track fm's newest show metatrax zachary fruling and i talking every week on mondays Uh, about Star Trek and philosophy, digging into the deep philosophical issues of Star Trek. 
Again, you can find that uh, every week on Mondays is when uh, that show drops on Truck FM. I'm obviously on Facebook and the Babel Conference. You can also interact with me on Twitter. My handle is at cmichael1701. Thanks so much, Mike. And then last but not least, my esteemed colleague and the content manager here for Trek FM will win. Sure. I just want to say, Mike, you've had great feedback from Metatrek, so I think it's you guys are just doing terrific work. So I just wanted to say that. Yeah, it's it's resonating. Thank you. Yep. Um, so for me, of course, you can always reach me in the Babel Conference. You can also find me on Twitter at, at Boomer Niner, which is a very fitting Twitter handle. So you always get at me with you know Trek news and Trek talk and all things geeky. And I'm also a contributing writer for uh, treknews.net. And of course, I'm the content manager for Trek FM. So if you have any ideas on what you want to talk about in the future, drop me a line. And of course, I'm the co-host of Warp 5. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can always find me here on the network or on the Babel Conference. You can find me on Twitter at Norman Lau. That's N-O-R-M-A-N-L-A-O. I'm also posting daily on the Axenor fan group page on Facebook because I'm a huge supporter of that independent project and what Alec Peters is doing for the Star Trek community there. And I'm also a proud sponsor of Trek FM through Patreon. It's kind of like how I started my career here uh, through the network. And I am an executive producer here and uh, an associate producer for Warp 5 as well. And... Again, guys, uh, before Will caps this off, great show, great energy, and I agree, Floyd, uh, please post your lists when you listen to this show because that is going to be so much fun to talk about and to speculate on the Babel Conference. So, Will, close us out. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here in the sweet spot for another episode of Warp 5. <laughs>